This is the Western Obsessions TV podcast, where hunting's not a hobby, it's an obsession. This podcast is brought to you by Top Predator, a fitness archery challenge. Do you have what it takes to be the top predator? Um, I'm your host, Kurt Belding, and today I have a guest on here, Sarah Gamash. Um, me and Sarah, we get to know each other a little bit, and I, I like to call Sarah, her, my nickname for her is Serial Sarah, aka Serial Sarah, because she kills freaking everything. Just murders shit all the time <laughs> whenever I'm with her. So, Hi. hey, Sarah, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I, uh, I like that uh, you're at home and not in your truck where the best internet service is for you, I know. Uh, yes. So let me start this podcast out and asking why the hell do you have such shitty internet service at your house? I don't know. We don't even live in the boonies, really. I mean, we, we're not in a neighborhood. We have 11 acres, but um, we have CenturyLink, and CenturyLink is like one megabyte per second. It's like AOL dial-up, like back in the day when you're hearing the little noise, the connecting noise. Yeah. That's kind of what it's like. So we can literally only have like one device on at a time. Like we can watch one TV, and then if the kids want to like play the Xbox or something, you know, Netflix has to get shut down it's just it's a mess <laughs> it's like you're living in in prehistoric times right now where you can only run yeah. one one device at a time and it's like you might as well be living in a cave watching fire you pretty know much. I mean? yeah <laughs> pretty bad we we tried to get comcast to come out here and they quoted us thirty thousand dollars so i said oh, that's okay out. i'll uh, i'll stick with my one megabyte per second <laughs> So you, you will stick with driving your truck to the tallest hill you can find to get the, is that right? Like you probably go to like the tallest spot so you can get the best internet service for podcasts, huh? Yeah. I have to drive like a mile down the road to get good service. So, but it's working pretty good, right? Like the picture is pretty legit right now. It is good. I'm surprised. I thought for okay. sure we'd be cutting out and stuff, but no, don't, we're, we're doing good. So, so far so good. Don't jinx us. Okay. I'll make sure the kids are turning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been going on? What are you doing now? Um, kind of just unwinding after, you know, last hunting season. And I've actually spent the last few weekends at home, which is a miracle for me. I don't spend a whole lot of time at home. I think you're well, never two, home. No. So two or three weekends ago, Caleb and I went to the ATA show, which was awesome. So that was my last little trip. And then I've kind of been home since then. And, uh, we just bought a property, a new piece of property about 45 minutes from our house. So we've kind of been hanging around so we could get that closed on and taking stuff back and forth up there. And that was kind of a new exciting thing for us recently. Is it a hunting property? It can be. We're hoping, we're hoping that it can serve as a hunting property. Um, we're going to actually probably rent it out. It has a couple um, houses on it right now. It's 23 acres. So it's kind of like an investment property, but there is an understanding that if there's elk on the property, it, it will be used for hunting. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't bring your old buddy, Kurt from Colorado out to kill yeah. Roosevelt, right? Yeah. Cause I owe you a hunt. And that's what we talked about because yeah. he took me out last year. So I said, if you want to come shoot a Rosie, then now we've got even more property to do so. Heck yeah. I want to shoot a Rosie. Uh, let's jump into that. Uh, so me and you went on a backpacking hunt last year and it's, it was your, I think first actual true back, like obviously you go elk hunting a lot, but mm -hmm. a lot of times your, your hunts are like day hunts or it's yeah. near your property or like you'll go camp. No problem. Mm -hmm. But like a true heavy backpacking, like lots of miles on your feet. This was one of your first times going, right? 
Correct. Yes. And I was, I mean, I've been wanting to do it for a long time. It's just out where, where we live in Washington, you know, we know where the elk are. We don't have to hike for days and days and days and look for them. Um, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's technically easier, but um, just where we are, it's not necessary to do those, those types of hunts. But it's always been something I wanted to do. So when you offered to take me, which was extremely generous of you to do, I appreciate that. Um, I jumped right on it. Yeah, and don't worry, I'll definitely gonna hold that card in the back of my pocket and use it at some point. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> that is fine. Yeah, and but like yeah, why, great experience. Yeah, and why would you go hike miles and miles and miles when you know where the elk's at? Like obviously I would never do that. The only reason that I do well, is I gotta go find the elk, right? So Yeah, I kind of struck a deal with my husband. That was part of the reasoning. You know, he's always gone for elk season. Um, he's usually deployed because he's in the military. And so I always get lucky to hunt our property or hunt some of the public land. Um, and I've, I've gotten elk like three or four years in a row. And I kind of told them, you know, this is your year, your home for the first time, you're not deployed. I'll give you full rights to the property. I will stay home with the kids and watch the kids so that you have 100% of the time to go try to get elk. And then in exchange, I was, you know, going to Colorado to do the backpacking hunt. And luckily the seasons, you know, fell perfectly to where we could work that all out so we could both benefit from it and knowing you i know that was a very difficult thing that you did to give up <laughs> your was. elk hunting <laughs> it was your husband. that was very was. nice of you yeah <laughs> and didn't didn't like caleb like hurt his back so he couldn't really hunt that that tag he did well he's he was what was he deer hunting and he tripped and fell or i don't know he went out into like some horrible storm which i told him not to do and he went listen he went out and he got hurt so there was that. And then um, he ended up not really being able to get off work. I mean, even when he's home and he's not deployed, he's still working nine to five and their schedules aren't very lenient. So at the end of the day, he didn't even hardly get to elk hunt. <laughs> so I was <laughs> like, okay. But he, he did an archery tag and I did muzzleloader for Washington. And in Washington, you can downgrade weapons. Um, so even during muzzleloader season, I can still use my bow. So his season was first, he didn't get anything. And then I went out with you in Colorado. When I got home, my muzzleloading season started here and I went out and then ended up getting a Rosie on like the second or third day. Yeah, I got a real nice Rosie with your bow, got the kill mm -hmm. shot. It was, it was pretty sweet. I got, I saw yeah. that on your social. So very cool. I mean, you know, just to have an opportunity to shoot an elk with a bow is you're, you know, in the 10% you know, percentile of doing that. Most people don't yeah. even get that opportunity. So, and you, you stuck a really nice, really nice elk too. Tell me about Thank that. Me, I don't think we really even like talked about how that happened. I don't Tell think we story. have. Uh -uh. Um, so I decided to do like a girl's camp with my girlfriend, Jessica, cause she had, um, she never really gets an opportunity to go elk hunting. She always has taken along with her husband. So she's like, why don't you and I go do it this year? So we ended up um, going to a place that is extremely hard to get to. It's actually a place you can't get to because it's kind of surrounded by private property and there's like one way to get there and it's really, really, really hard, really treacherous and not very many people know how to do it. Uh, my family does because we, I grew up pretty close to this area. So we went up there and decided to do a camp. We packed enough stuff for seven days. Um, it's not a place where you can kind of day hunt where you can come and go. Like once you're there, you want to be able to stay there. So we took all of our stuff. Luckily, I kind of knew what to do because I just got back from Colorado. 
hunting with you. So I knew what was necessary. I knew what wasn't necessary to bring. So my pack wasn't as heavy, which was nice. Um, so we got up there and her and I would split up um, for our hunts in the mornings and evenings. And I think, like I said, I think it was day three, my brother actually asked if he could come hunt. He was kind of, I was kind of jealous that we were there. It's actually his and I's spot that we usually go to. And so he's like, man, I want to come up there with you guys. And I said, that's fine. Why don't you come up one evening and call for me? So he joined us up there and um, him and I sat at a little spot and did some calf calling probably for about 20 minutes. And there was a giant black bear that we had on camera in that spot. And we started hearing some noises and it's kind of weird, you know, like when you're in the woods, you're always trying to figure out like, where is it coming from? What kind of animal is it? Could be a squirrel, could be a bear, like you don't know. So we <laughs> Especially where it. you guys hunt there in Washington is real thick. It's thick. It's yeah, you don't, super thick. Yeah. You're looking at 20, 30 yards all the time, right? Right. Yep. So really thick underbrush and tell them I'm not available. They're going to have to call dad. Sorry. Um, and so we kept hearing this noise and he's like, man, it almost sounds like maybe it's that bear and it's like circling us, like trying to catch our scent or something. And I, so I was like, yeah, well, I'll shoot a bear. I'll be happy with that too. Um, but then of, after- Of course the, you will, Sarah. Serial <laughs> Sarah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, he was calling and nothing was responding back to us and he was calf calling. So that's why we thought it could have maybe been this bear. Well, then after about 15 minutes, I looked up and I saw the antlers coming through the trees and I was like, oh no, it's an elk, it's an elk. I'm nudging my brother, like, he's right there. So this bull came in silent. He did not respond to us one time to that call, but he came, he came into it and my brother was ranging for me as he was coming in and I have a single pin. So people, you know, that's like a huge, like controversial. Are you supposed to hunt with a single pin? Most people would say, no, it's stupid to hunt with a single pin because if the animal moves and you're at full draw, you either have to compensate aiming high or low, or you have to completely let down and move your dial. Right. So he was t telling me these different ranges and I would try to get pulled back when the bull would stop. And as soon as I tried to get pulled back, it would turn and look at me. Like it was sensing we were there. And so I'd have to let down and we were just like this, like holding completely still, like not moving for like two minutes. And then he would turn and start to walk. So I'd start to pull back and he would turn and look at us. And I'm like, oh my God. So that happened like three times. And it, by the third time, like my nerves were so high. I usually am dead calm. But at that point, I'm so nervous because I'm like this thing, like he knows we're here. And I have to get drawback. So by the third time I went to draw back and then I'm struggling to get my bow back. And my brother's looking at me like, come on, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm so freaking nervous right now. I can't get my bow back. So I finally get it back and the elk, he, he wasn't looking at us and he was perfectly broadside. But during all that time of me trying to get to full draw on him, I wasn't remembering the last range that my brother gave me. So I ended up shooting, what was it? Like four yards uh higher than I should have I can't remember it's like I think 28 yards is what he was actually at I think I shot him for like 33 so after I shot him I looked at my brother and I was like 33 yards right he's like no 28 yards I'm like, shit <laughs> so I'm panicking because I'm like well I know I shot him high then but we found good blood right away um and it was in the evening 
and we found a ton of good blood and it got dark and we followed it, followed it probably about 60 yards. And then we found my arrow and it looked like my arrow was like a complete pass through, but then the blood stopped and we couldn't find even, I mean, it went from being like a massacre, like a huge blood trail that we're just casually walking through the woods, like, oh, there's blood, there's blood, finding the arrow and not finding one more drop of blood. Oh my gosh. So I was like pure panic. And it, like I said, it was nighttime at this point. So we decided, well, let's call it a night and come back in the morning and we'll have our, our buddy Joel Turner come up and help us and see if we can find it. So I had obviously we know how this goes a horrible night like I don't think I slept because <laughs> going over everything nights. in my head yeah thinking that I hit him too high um we got up there in the morning and from last blood he was literally like 30 or 40 yards from where <laughs> we had stopped <laughs> so we just had to have kept going a little bit further and I probably could have gotten a better night's sleep but yeah. it was fine <laughs> well at least you got the retrieval and you got your bowl and and yeah, like the one pin um, sites, like, yeah, my opinion is uh, I use actually a lot of, a lot of fixed sites. Uh, like I use like six pins, but that is the downside of the one pin. If they move a little bit, you have to either raise or lower or, but you got yeah. the job done. And um, so like you, you and your girlfriend split up every day. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I I don't like hunting together, hunting with people, believe it or not. <laughs> no, I get it. I like, I like hunting solo too. I like hunting by myself because you kind of just zone out to your own world. But I'm, you know, that's, uh, I'm surprised that you guys split up and that's, that's pretty, uh, meaning like props to you guys. You must know the area pretty well anyway, right? Does she know the area? Yeah. Pretty well? She doesn't. No, we had gone up there in the, um, like in the summer to scout and put up trail cameras. And I kind of took her up there to show her what I want to do and what the game plan was just so that she could be confident. It was what she was going to want to do. If she was going to give up her elk season to come hunt with me, I wanted her to feel comfortable about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I would say the only sketchy part was like, we had cougars on camera up there and we had huge black bear. I mean, there's a ton of predators up there. Um, my brother actually shot a bear there two years before that with his bow when he was calf calling and a bear came in. So there were times at night where we're split up and at night walking. I mean, I had to walk a ways, a ways by myself, complete darkness, knowing that there's all those predators where I was. That was the only part that was a little bit sketchy. Um, and I think she felt the same way. She was like, man, this is new. She goes, I'm always on edge until we meet up. And then once we meet up, you know, you have that person with you, so you feel better. But I mean, we had to put our food, like tire food up into the trees and stuff because yeah, just a ton of bear in that spot. Oh yeah. That's hairy for anybody. You know, I, I get sketched out when wow. you're backpacking alone and walking at night or even sleeping in a tent at night. Like I'm not yeah. too, too proud to say that. Yeah. It gets a little weird. <laughs> you know, when you're by yourself. <laughs> and her and I didn't share a tent. I was in my little, my little mummy bag, like what I had in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, your sleep system. Yeah. Only enough room for one person in that thing. <laughs> and props to you and your brother to know that there was an animal in the area nearby. Because if you didn't hear the animal moving in the underbrush, you had had no idea, and you could have busted them out. You know, you wouldn't have been prepared. So, props yeah. on that him for that bull coming in silent. So kind of exciting though when they're not talking and then all of a sudden you just kind of you never know what's coming in and then you see it and it ends up being you know your target animal I feel like it's almost just as exciting as if we were talking back and forth to him oh for sure and your heart rate goes through the roof and 
Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I get it hundred percent. So let's go, uh, let's jump to your Colorado, back to your Colorado, um, backpacking hunt. And, you know, me and you had talked about it for a little bit that you're going to come out. And I, I was kind of sending you messages of things to get and what to bring, what not to bring. And, and Caleb kept going, I don't know, man, you're going to have to carry your pack probably. Like he kept like <laughs> downplaying like that, you know, and I'm like, oh crap, taking Sarah hunting. I'm probably going to have to carry her pack most of the time. But let me tell you, let me tell you guys listening, Sarah's a badass and uh, she did absolutely awesome. She kicked the, the, yeah. the mountain's ass. There's only a couple times she was like, yo, Kurt, I don't know about this. <laughs> Rightfully <laughs> yeah. so, because if, if you know me, if anybody hunts with me, there's, there's always some sort of danger at some point in my hunt of that, like, it's a little sketch. So, yeah, yeah tell me about uh, that hunt in your own words. Um, I, you know, I didn't know what to expect because, like you said, it was my first time doing it. I, I was a little bit nervous because I went to um, Aaron Snyder's, like, backcountry camp and him and Caleb did a little spiel about all the things that can go wrong in the backcountry, um, how, you know, how to deal with emergencies basically. And then they got talking about altitude sickness and pulmonary edema and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, what the hell is all this? Like, I didn't know about this stuff. Cause so where I'm at in Washington, I'm at sea level where we were going to be hunting. What were we like 10 to 11,000 feet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, my biggest concern was, am I going to get sick up there? Because physically I had been training for it. I knew I was in pretty good shape that I could probably handle the hiking, but I didn't know what the elevation was going to do. Was it, was I going to have a hard time breathing? Like, was I going to get pulmonary edema? People say that it feels like flu-like symptoms where you get nauseous and you puke. And so I got that in my head and that really sketched me out. But I was shocked because when I got there, I didn't feel like I had really any problems with that um the first night once I got my little sleep sack which I'm like completely contained I had a hard time breathing I that's that was probably the only time I'd say on that trip that the altitude probably really got to me um but the rest of it was kind of what I expected it was definitely hard you kicked my ass like we (laughs) but we hiked in like seven miles and then you think like, okay, well, I'll recover from that seven mile hike tomorrow. No, there's, there's not one day of recovery because you're turning around hiking seven to 10 miles every single day. Um, so no rest for the wicked, man. I mean, what we did never got back to camp before like nine o'clock. I don't think hardly ever. No, I don't think there was ever a time that we got back at daybreak or daylight uh, sun going down. It was always at least a couple hours after dark. And we're usually at least five miles away from camp when we right. decided to come back to camp. So yeah, it was definitely a tough backpacking hunt. Uh, and yeah, your little sleep system, I would have been so claustrophobic in that. Yeah, like, it's just a little mummy bag zipped right over your face. There's no way I could have mm-hmm. done it. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it was a good hunt. I think it was what, was that a five day hunt? Were we in there in five days? Yeah, five or six days, and um, then the other two joined us. Well, no, Chase was what Chase went in with us, but then Ben joined us on towards the end, mm-hmm. on a couple of days with us. And I mean, there was a lot of we have a lot of close encounters. It was exciting. Every day we had action. There wasn't ever a boring day. We were always in elk. Yeah, so. we got an elk every day, and there was a moment that was a pretty crazy moment with me and you. We were uh, I, I don't remember if you remember this uh, evening, but we were back. We found elk finally and i mean we like you said we were in elk every day but but we were definitely in them in them and we were chasing them along that flat Mm -hmm. up on top 
and uh, zero cover. And, you know, it's getting to be almost dark. And I, we're like, hey, screw it. I've got this decoy. Let's just antelope style hunt these, these elk. So we're running with this decoy and you're behind me in a bow and I'm, I'm calling and screaming. And they're like, yo, I don't think that's an elk, (laughs) you know, but they didn't blow out. They just kind of kept moving off, moving off. And we kept chasing and chased them for a couple miles that way. That was pretty, that was pretty crazy. That was crazy because there, there were two bulls with two herd bulls and they both had cows and they were kind of already at, they were kind of distracted with each other already. Mm -hmm. Because remember one bull took some cows from the other one. So one of them was pissed, like just mad. And then we're over there with our little cow decoy. I just felt like those elk had just been like, what the hell is going on right now? Like there was just so much chaos in that flat area. Yeah. Cows running everywhere, bulls running everywhere, us in the middle with the decoy. I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> it was wild. It was definitely not your traditional way of elk hunting no. at it all. It was not. But it was fun, you know, and we were definitely out of like, it wore us out. It kicked my butt. Yeah. For sure because we're sprinting after these elk and uh bugling they're probably like why is that cow bugling at us <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it was on our way back to camp anyways it's not like we went out of our way to go do it, it was on our way back to camp we were actually pushing them more closer to our camp the mm-hmm. way they were going and um yeah it was just kind of like what the hell we're already going that way let's just we didn't have any cover we didn't have any other options so we did what we did and it was, it was fun just to watch them and yeah, yeah. we came close we got within within the 100 yards of them at one oh, point oh we were rifle hunting we would have been <laughs> oh, fun yeah. Yeah. Been I mean, dead bulls for sure and there was a big one rifle in there. Hunt. sure yeah but but yeah, yeah then that, that would have been that was where chase ended up shooting or taking a shot at one too was right out in the open mm-hmm. like it was just kind of weird how that worked out because the area we were in there was definitely some thick know some forest that we were in too but the elk wanted to be out in those big open plains yeah they felt comfortable out there i guess until we got pushing them around but there was a a big bull in there and you're like that is my bull so like we uh we you know we pushed him towards camp knew the knew where he was at and we got on him the next morning but found him unfortunately he just slipped away from us and but we were, like you said, we were on elk you know, all day. And later that day, we were on elk down on that bottom. Like, it was, a, it was a fun experience. I wish I could have got you a shot. I think we were close multiple times. But, but at least you got to get thrown in the fire and what uh, backpacking elk hunting is all about in Colorado, right? Heck, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was nice, too, because you always hear of how, how many people are on public land out there. And we did run into people, but I think that part of the reason why there wasn't more is because of how far in we went. And that's obviously what you have to do. Cause if you're only going to go in a couple miles, just from the stories that I hear, it sounds like there's just hundreds of people. <laughs> it's just not even worth it. Oh so. yeah. Over the counter units in Colorado during archery season is there's a ton of people, unless, unless you get in deep and far, but like, Nowadays, there's a lot of our archery hunters are in good shape and they're getting in deep and far too in there too. So, mm-hmm. yep. Um, People with right. horses too, yeah. Yeah, horse, we should have brought horses. <laughs> I was like, God, I hate these people right now. <laughs> you literally offered to buy or like rent a horse from that guy. <laughs> I said, if we shoot an elk where Kurt's trying to get me to shoot an elk way down in one of these canyons, I'm coming back for your horse. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> 
if you wake up next morning and your horse is gone, I've got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to pull the female card, just sympathize for me because I'm a girl, but they weren't buying it. They're like, yeah, you don't look like typical girl. We're not going to that shit. <laughs> they didn't buy it one bit. So, uh, which leads me into my next question for you. And I know it's probably something you've talked about quite a few times on podcasts and you probably talk about it a lot, but I think it needs to be talked about and continue to be talked about is just women, women in the industry. Where was it? Let's talk about women in the industry 10 years ago. And then where is it now? And what are some things that you experience? Um, and wish, what are some things you wish were different? Yeah. So I can't really say, speak to what it was 10 years ago. Cause I don't really know. Cause I let's say I was like in the industry 10 years ago. I've definitely been hunting that long. I've been hunting since I was 11. And, and back when I was hunting, I was the only female you know, in my small little town really that was doing it. And I, I did it cause I went out with my dad and my brother, um, there, you know, social media wasn't big. So if there were other women hunters locally, you didn't really know about it. You know, you weren't seeing it on social media. It would have to just be a personal friend, uh, big names. I mean, probably Eva Shockey was the first female hunter name that I, that I came to know obviously because of her dad you know Jim Shockey being so famous so I felt like she was as far as I remember kind of one of the front runners um especially kind of in the archery world you know she has her own bow with Bowtech that was actually the first bow that I ended up getting um so I think obviously with everything in the world social media changed what happened with women in hunting and I mean, that was actually how I decided I kind of wanted to promote it. Um, I'd been hunting my whole life, but no one really knew anything about me or my hunting experiences besides the people that knew me personally. And then when social media came out, I kind of noticed that, hey, there's a lot of women on here that are talking about their hunts, posting pictures. Maybe that's something I should do, you know? So I started doing that and kind of got got a name for myself in the industry and it, it's changed. So that was probably like four years ago, four or five years ago when I started my Instagram and really started promoting myself. And in that time, like, seems like everyone and their mom is on there now <laughs> trying to do it. And it's, beca- it's become really hard to differentiate who the ones were that kind of, that kind of were like, took my approach where they've been hunting their whole lives is something they're passionate about. I'm passionate about it, whether people know I do it or not. Like I did it for all those years. No one even knew besides my family. And I went out and did it. I'm no different today. I'm still doing the same stuff for the same reasons. Um, And there are a lot of other women out there who have big social media pages who are the exact same. And then there are women out there who are maybe doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, Maybe just strictly start social media and getting into hunting because they want attention for it or that, you know, that they notice they can get some likes. Um, There's the whole huntress influencer controversy that's always getting thrown out about women, you know, posting hunting content, like in bikinis or, you know, they like, they're just doing stuff (laughs) to try to get attention. Ridiculous. (laughs) So, um, so women, I felt like when we were, when we started out, we were doing good and everyone was like, yeah, this is awesome. Women are getting into it. We're actually the only growing demographic, uh, women and children were the only growing demographic in hunting. And so that was good to see. And then you had these bad apples come along <laughs> and doing this crap to try to get attention. And then it kind of just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And so now, now we're trying to like recoup that respect and it's kind of hard. Um, 
it's kind of hard because you have to now prove yourself. I feel like, like if I'm trying to work with a company in the hunting industry, sometimes they're apprehensive just seeing that I'm a female because the companies have gotten backlash by working with the wrong females. And so um, they got to do their homework on who they want to work with to make sure it's the right person representing their brand. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's, I mean, I know you really well and I know how authentic and genuine you are with the hunting. And I know you get a lot of, not a lot, but you definitely get some negativity thrown at you of like, Oh, did you even kill that? Or are you just taking a picture? You know, like, and there's, and it waters down the, the industry for women, the, the women that aren't doing it correctly, that are uh-huh. taking a picture with an animal or a fish, wearing something a little bit provocative, just for likes on social media and then to build a following where like, now you're right. People are skeptical. Brands are skeptical. So when you're doing it right and you're genuine and you are just a genuine hunter, now there's some like skepticism of like, okay, are you or are you not? And you kind of have to prove yourself, which that's real unfortunate. That really sucks. Yeah. You know, so. Well, it's fine. I mean, I honestly would rather work with companies that put me through that process, you know, that aren't just going to, you know, I have companies all the time that reach out to me that are only looking at my following. They've never talked to me before. They don't know me personally. They maybe have looked through my Instagram, but they're looking at my number and they want to give me a product and they want to work together. And I, I would say 99% of the time I say no to those companies because that's not how I operate. That's not how a relationship should be started on either end, me not knowing their product and them not knowing me. I'm not just going to say, yeah, I want free stuff and then pose for it on my page. I'm absolutely there are women that do that. There are a lot of women that do that. And that's why companies have this approach because they've gone away with it with other women. And I make it very clear that, no, that's not how I want to do stuff. I want to use your product. Know that I like your product. I, I want you to know more about me. I want you to interview me. These, you know, these are the questions you should be asking me to even make sure that I'm the right fit for your brand. I might not be. Um, and so it, it comes on both sides as far as the responsibility, the companies need to do their due diligence and the women or men, you know, cause there's men out there doing the same thing, um, with sponsorships and working with companies, they need to do their due diligence too. hundred percent. And it's, it's been really interesting watching the industry change over the last even year. And yeah. Growing up, I used, I loved watching hunting shows, you know, cause I get so excited. I sit there and watch so many hunting shows. They're literally just, I mean, all right. Not every show is like this, but for the majority, it's a Bubba with a beer gut shooting a whitetail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? Pretty> close. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm redneck. I'm a Bubba. I get it. Like it was a redneck Bubba beer gut shooting a whitetail and I'm just so glad now that there's more of this athletic hunter women Mm -hmm. are getting super in the industry and you and you guys you can tell who's a legit woman hunter and who is not it's very easy to tell who's legit and who's not just by watching what they do you know even watching how they hold a firearm or a gun like yo you're not a hunter. You literally are holding that way wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the left-handed bow and you have it in your right hand. <laughs> you are not legit. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those memes, they're pretty funny. Yeah. It, and yeah, they're getting easier to spot and people are becoming more privy to that kind of stuff. And so, and then that's how it should be. You know, like I said, I appreciate a company more that's going to do their homework and put me through the ringer. And there's some companies that I've tried working with that have made me wait, you know, a couple of years watching me 
through the years to make sure that I'm the real deal. And that's their name on the line. So I get it. That's, that's what they need to do. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it is. Um, you know, even five years from now, I think what I'm seeing the most right now happening in the industry is we're, there's always a lot of divide. You see a lot of turmoil, like against rifle hunters versus bow hunters or the whole female hunting controversy thing. But now all hunters in general seem like we're under constant attack. I mean, every time I get on social media, I'm seeing a headline of another state another liberal state that's trying to pass some crazy hunting law. Like we're dealing with it right now in Washington. They're trying to take away our spring bear season. And so now all of us have, have, as hunters are coming together to try to, you know, fight against all these things that they're trying to pass. So that's kind of cool to see, to kind of watch the unity over the past, I don't know, I'd probably say six months, people have really started coming together. Even if it's for a state that they're not from or they're not hunting in, they're still trying to, you know, get the information out and, and encourage people to go and sign a petition or whatever it is they can do to help. Yeah, that's a great point. And I've seen that too the last six months. Is, and I made a comment just to myself, like, God, it seems like every other day, us hunters are fighting for something. You know, it was here in Colorado was cat hunting and then wearing orange during muzzleloader season. And yeah, Washington was a spring bear. Like it is everywhere. We're constantly fighting. And I guess the silver lining of that is we have been united to fight together, whether you're a gun hunter, bow hunter, long range guy, you know, like you were, we're all fighting for the same thing. Just our, to be able to continue to hunt and to have good science. That's, that's the thing is like, most of these is, is a political thing. Yep. Like let's introduce wolves into Colorado. Are you freaking kidding me? That's, yeah, it's, Oh my God. That's not science. Say, <laughs> it's the one time you say follow the science, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. literally that's what needs to happen right now, but that's not what's happening. As you know, that's people are making decisions based on emotion. Like I think, I, I don't quote me on this, but I think how the spring bear started of them wanting to take away our spring bear season here in Washington is because some liberal group in Seattle was worried about the cubs either getting shot or the moms getting shot and then the cubs dying. Um, that was their big thing. So but that's how that started, um, which for we us. We know as spring, a hunter, you don't ever shoot a, cu- uh, a sow with cubs anyway. You don't. Like that's yeah, not a, you don't I would do say. All ethical hunters know that. And um, I'm sure there's times when mistakes are made and someone doesn't do their due diligence and doesn't pay attention or look around long enough to see if the sow has cubs with her. I'm sh- I mean, obviously it happens. But at the same time, what these liberals don't realize is that the if the bear population gets too high or the, the boars, the male bears, Kill, kill the baby bears anyways. It's called infanticide. <laughs> they kill the baby so that they That's can right. turn around and rebreed the mother. So it's like they have no like idea of how nature really works or how cruel mother nature actually is. It is brutal. <laughs> and it is absolutely brutal. And I, th- I think people are like, oh, these cute little bears, let's protect them so they can have a happy home, happy life. And it's going to be warm butterflies and rainbows for them now like that is not nature and i tell people all the time is like like how can you kill something like that is the best death they'll ever have they'll never have a better death it's either starvation freezing to death or being eaten alive 
What, which death would you yeah. rather have? Yeah. Right. Right. right <laughs> yeah. So the mindset and I like, I always battle, like, do I want to have the arguments with them and try to educate them? And sometimes I will, it depends on the person. Like it, you have to gauge how well they are, you know, how open they are to, to accepting different ideas, something different than theirs. And there's conversations I have there. I think I've made people understand it better. And then there's some that are so far off the deep end. It doesn't matter what you say to them. They're just tunnel vision in, in their perception of hunting. And that's unfortunate because yeah, there's just a lot of bad information out there. And yeah. so, yeah, Washington, I mean, they took away hound hunting and they took away bear baiting years ago. I mean, that happened over 10 years ago. And then springtime, that's a great time to kill bears because they're out foraging for berries. We have a lot of berries here. So now we, if you take away all of those things, there's no predator management anymore. So now they're saying, well, you have fall season. So you just have to come along a bear sometime in the fall, probably while you're hunting deer or elk to be able to shoot one because you can't hound hunt them, you can't bait them, and you can't hunt them in the spring. Okay, we're not going to be able to manage a healthy population just with that one hunting season in the and fall. So, and Sarah, do you know what you just described right there? Conservation. <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Colorado. We have it no spring season. We can't hunt them with hounds and we can't bait. We could only run across them in the fall. So you hunt like water holes and hopefully yeah, you glass them possible. up. And, and then we have a bear problem. <laughs> yeah, don't and, yeah. Yeah. You literally described Colorado. <laughs> so. Well, wait till you guys get wolves there. Then it'll be oh. even better. <laughs> oh my gosh. Over there. Will there. Be no elk or deer left in Colorado. No. And they're already yeah. causing problems with farmers. Like there, there's so many livestock now that have been demolished and it's, it's ridiculous, but let me, all right. Yeah. All right. Enough for the negativity, I guess. Right. <laughs> let me change. Uh, yeah. Let me change uh, uh, the script here a little bit. Let's talk about, I always very curious to know like how people get into hunting. And I know usually it's, passed down from parents but um but yeah you as a woman hunter how'd you get in um through my dad um my dad and my brother have always been big into hunting and um, for me it was almost more like I was at such a young age I wasn't interested in the hunting aspect of it I was interested in spending time with my dad my parents were divorced at a very young age so I only got to see my dad on the weekends um and sometimes in the summer and so and then on the weekends, if it was in the fall, he wanted to be hunting. So I was like, well, if I want to be able to spend time with my dad, looks like I'm going hunting with him, which he wanted. It, it wasn't like I was like begging him. He obviously wanted me to come along with him. Um, so it started out just taking along with him. And I don't know that I was really seriously interested in trying to shoot something until I was later in my teens. Um, and there was a couple hunts I went on with him where I wasn't quick enough to shoot. Like, you know, there's a deer and I wasn't quick enough and it was going to take off. So he shot it and that was fine. Like it was, I had a lot of good learning experiences going out on those trips with my dad. Yeah. And it's, and I, I same way with me, my dad. Right. And it's, it's, and for people that don't hunt, that's one thing they don't understand is like, that's such a bonding activity. It's not about killing that deer. It's spending time with the person that you love and you, you bond with them mm -hmm. and you have memories you can look back and say, remember that time that we got stuck or remember that time we were out in the woods and we kind of got lost for a while. And that's just bonding time with your family. Yeah. I mean, I think back on my life and all the things I've done and I don't remember 
you know, the nights at the bars with my girlfriends or whatever so-and-so's party or, you know, any of that. I remember my time in the woods, my time with my dad, uh, my time with my brother. Like those are truly my, my fondest memories and the ones that are, you know, most prevalent that I'll have forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, of course, with my kids and, and, you know, you have a daughter too, like now that's our goal with our kids. Um, to pass down the tradition. And I think we've both done a good job with that. You, you're getting Bella out there and <laughs> making yeah. her work hard, I see, on her elk hunt. <laughs> I'm laughing about that. I'm like, that poor girl. I know the feeling. <laughs> I just wanted to be like, Bella, I know what it's like for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun trip, too. And you're right. Like, now we're passing on to our kids. And I see you taking your kids out. And you, you take your daughter to that uh, camp in Texas, which looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I take Bella out. But you know what? I, uh, I was teasing her the other day. I was like, when I was growing up, and if someone shot something and brought it back, like an uncle or an aunt or my mom, because my mom hunted a lot growing up too. And, mm-hmm. and someone brought, I was so excited. I would run out the door and see what is it? Oh my God. Like tell right. me the story. How did it go down? Like, I was so excited yeah. about that stuff. And Bella is like, literally like, meh, whatever. I'll <laughs> let me know when I can go hunting and like, cool, I'll take you hunting. And we went on that elk hunt. And she's like, listen to music. She got her earbuds in, just hanging out. Yeah. And like, what are you doing? Do you want to like look for the animals? She's like, nah, you tell me when there's one to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> At that age, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes. But yeah, she like pulled off a great shot, killed her, her first elk. And of course, hey, carry her quarter. Come on, grab it. So yeah, that was Yeah, it. I saw that. That's awesome. Make her, I, I made Cadence do that too. And she shot a, a deer in Texas. I was, the guides were like, Oh, we'll get it out and drag it. I'm like, no, no, she'll do it. She'll do it. Heck yeah. But, that's part of the experience. That's great. Cause that's how like, we're going back to talking about those women who don't do any of it. They pretend like they do, but they don't. And they just pose with the pictures and that's cause their dads or whoever they went hunting with didn't make them do it. That's right. I mean, if you have someone there, if you're a 10 year old girl and you have someone offering to gut your deer and do all the work, of course, you're gonna be like, yeah, yeah, you do it for me, but you, you're not supposed to give them that option. You're supposed to say, no, you're doing it. And then they can learn the right way. <laughs> it's, that's right. And that's kind of a rite of passage for my family's like, okay, you killed your first animal. Here's a knife. You need to gut it now. This is your, yeah. this is your rite of passage, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he's about the little things of like wearing the blood on the face or taking a bite of the heart. Yeah. You know, like just funny stuff like we don't but like yeah uh, yeah but yeah that's a rite of passage absolutely yeah we do the same thing with like eating it too like we I tell her you know like she'll complain sometimes I don't feel like eating deer meat tonight and I told her well you're not gonna hunt like you because you know we kill to eat meat and if you're saying you know you, you don't like the taste of deer meat or whatever or complain about dinner every night then you're not hunting and so that's another one of our rules that I think is, is sometimes important that they know it's not just for fun. I mean, we have fun doing it, but there's a bigger picture to it all. And so I try to teach them everything along the way, you know, when it comes to that. And that, that's what my, did, my dad did with me, um, the importance from start to finish of the whole process. That's so important, especially what you said about eating the animals. Like we took that animal's life. And how you respect that animal the most is making sure you eat the animal, you know, every piece that you can. So I, I, I really appreciate that a lot. So uh, do you have any hunts coming up with Cadence? 
so we are going to go back to that kids camp, which they don't do hunting at that. That's just that, you know, where they're teaching them the hunting skills. It, it's on a, um, a ranch, but the kids don't actually hunt while they're there. So I'm going to take her to that again in um, July or June. And then we'll probably just do our regular seasons here in Washington, like she'll blacktail hunt. Um, I got her an elk tag last year. We didn't get a chance to go out much, but we'll all try to take her out for some elk hunting too. So it's finding that balance with her. I'm sure you know how it goes where I want to push her to go out and do it. But at the same time, if she isn't feeling it, I don't want to pressure her so much that it ruins it for her, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of always have to like feel her out and see M- most days she wants to go. I, her biggest thing is she doesn't like getting up early, which I don't either <laughs> Join the club. I'm like, come on, I don't like it anymore. than you do. Um, and they're getting into those teenage years where all they want to do is sleep. So hard part for her is getting out of bed in the morning but once i get her out there she likes it so we'll do as much as we can this year yeah i mean no one likes getting up early i mean most people don't like getting up early i don't but i tell you what if it's hunting i'll be up at three o'clock in the morning i'm ready to go yeah especially opening yeah (laughs) yeah she's not quite there yet about because i'm the same way I, i only get up early for one thing and that's hunting but she's not quite there yet but I tell you what after she got her first kill because you can always tell when someone gets their first kill like how how they're going to be with hunting it kind of like sets the standard for how they feel about things they're going to love it or they're going to realize it's not their thing and she took right after her mom you could she was like hooked instantly just wanted to kill everything now we got another serial killer on our hands yeah yeah (laughs) is uh we call her killer k (laughs) killer k i'll have to remember that gosh yeah she's a killer so it's in her blood i want to get her a an archery kill you know caleb took her to texas um in august last august to try to get her a hog because she finally got to 40 pounds on her bow so we've been working with her to try to get to the to the right weight and she got to 40 pounds so i was like okay let's take you to texas see if you can shoot some hogs and uh, he said that she got pretty close it they would come in like right at dark she's a very ethical responsible hunter Hopefully it's uh, ha- has to do with how we raised her. I want to take credit for it, but just being 10, I'm always surprised on how ethical she is and how well she thinks things through because they would come in and she'd be, it would still be legal shooting light, but she'd be like, I can't, I can't see him well enough. Like, I don't think I could do a good shot on it. Like I can't see my pin well enough. I don't, I don't think I should take the shot for a, a nine or 10 year old girl to recognize that where Huge. any one of us would just be flinging arrows at the <laughs> you know. But for her, like, no, I don't feel comfortable. And, and she did the same thing here during, um, during blacktail season. She, there was a deer in front of us and she was rifle hunting and she pulled up on it and she was shaking and she was really nervous. And I explained to her, like, don't take the shot till you're ready. Don't take the shot till you're calm, your nerves and you're not shaking. And she waited for five minutes. She couldn't do it. Luckily it was a, a young dumb deer. So I was standing there this whole time. So I had her take the gun off the sticks. I talked, talked her through it, you know, take some deep breaths. This isn't a big deal. She tried like three times and she never was able to get the shot off because she couldn't keep her nerves down. And then the deer ended up running off and she was really upset. And she said, I failed as a hunter, mom, I'm, oh. I'm going to go hunter. And I said, Cadence, I'm like, this is the exact opposite. I go, the fact that you were mature enough to know that you couldn't take a good shot because you were too nervous. I go, most 
adults don't do that. They get target panic and they'll shoot and they'll make a bad shot and they'll wound that animal mm-hmm. or they'll miss the animal. I go mm-hmm. for you to recognize that you didn't have it in you to make a good ethical clean kill shot actually makes you a very good hunter. So I had that conversation with her and I felt like that was like my proud mom moment. Um, so she's going to be, she's going to be an awesome, awesome hunter and hopefully a really good role model for other youth hunters and female hunters. That sounds like it. That's uh, would you call it? Not serial K, killer K. Killer K. Yeah. Killer K. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to spend some more time with killer K. Yeah. I, so we'll see how she does this year. I mean, I'm excited for, like I said, we'll see if she can get herself a, a bow kill. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about your Cape Buffalo hunt. Yeah, that was exciting. I That's wish you could have been hunt. there. I know You're I wanted to be there. I was supposed to be there. Schedules. Man, we had a hard time getting to Africa, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you were like, we didn't know if you were banned from like every airline. From <laughs> That's true. We did <laughs> you know, not I'm know like, this. Sarah might not even be able to fly. We don't know what's going on, but yeah, Every I wish I was there. I'm just like praying to myself. Okay. I'm not blacklisted. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> for anyone listening, it just has to do with me getting kicked off a, a flight for wearing a Trump mask. So you mm-hmm. can, that's a whole different story, but yes. Yeah, so we didn't know if I could make it on the airplane for being a domestic terrorist. Um, my flights kept getting canceled because of like COVID stuff going on. So I had three flights canceled. And then finally, I think you were just like, okay, I, screw it. I'm doing my own thing, which was fine. I don't blame you because it was turning into such a shit show. But um, I was nervous. So the, I think the last thing that happened is remember all the rioting that was going on in Johannesburg. That's right. Yeah, there was a and that going happened, on. That was happening close to where we were going to be. And people were legit like getting killed. And I remember, you know, Caleb wasn't going to go with me. I was going to be flying there by myself. And I was like, do you want me to still go? I mean, do you feel, he's like, you'll be fine. He's like, you'll be fine. And I asked other people, like I asked like Aaron Snyder and Luke and those guys, I was like, do you think I should go? And they're like, fuck no, you're crazy. Don't go right now. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I went, <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> so um, I got there and the, actually it was, it was like flawless getting there. Like I didn't have any, any um, flight issues or travel issues. I wasn't banned. The, you know, it was good. So that was smooth sailing. And then we got right on the Cape Buffalo hunt. I think it was like day two <clears throat> that we actually got to the bowl that we knew I wanted to shoot. And I trained for almost a whole year leading up to this hunt because I had to get up to like 75, 80 pounds on my bow, which which if you guys are listening you guys that is a ton of weight like i shoot 70 (laughs) sometimes i shoot 80 but like you know i'm pretty fit i do crossfit every day but that is a ton of weight so props to sarah to get up and be able to pull yeah i I did the crossfit stuff for like i said about uh, six to eight months hitting it pretty hard um and i can only pull that back on certain bows so there are definitely other bows like models and brands that i cannot do that weight on but my pse bow with their cam system that they have i'm able to do it it's actually the, the bow you just got the mach one yeah i love that um, bow by the way it, it is an amazing <laughs> bow <laughs> so that worked out perfect i also had to do a full arrow build that uh troy fowler helped me with because we had to have a really heavy high foc arrow so i think we ended with like 750 grains or something on my total arrow weight so i had to completely side in my bow you know those arrows fly a lot different than the arrows you just normally shoot at home when you're practicing in the backyard 
So oh, for sure. What was up um, front? Do you remember what the FOC was uh, front of center, by the way, guys, if you're listening up front, oh, what so the I, was? I think my broadhead was either three, I think it was 320 grains. So out of a 700 and about 40, 50 grain air. I mean, it's like, I don't know what the percentage is on that 20 something. Right. I mean, it was super high. heavy and you have to be super heavy. heavy. To shoot the buffalo that way. And, right. Yeah. And so there, there's only other one female that I know of, Joella Bates, who has ever shot a Cape Buffalo with a bow. So that was kind of my motivation. I'm always trying to look for like the next big adventurous thing I can do and also risk my life <laughs> while doing it. <laughs> Let me pause it real uh, quick. So like I'm uh, talking to my wife I, about this. And are you still there, sir? Yeah. Okay. I think you're breaking up a little bit, but I'll, we're, because we're planning on going to Africa with you. And I'm talking to my wife about this and she's like, wait, so it's dangerous. I'm like, yeah, it's a Cape Buffalo. They call it black death. Like this is one of the most dangerous games to hunt. Sarah wants to hunt it with her bow and she wants me to film it. She's like, you're going to do what? <laughs> so like, there's definitely like a lot of danger in that hunt. So oh, like, yeah. we don't take that lightly. Like that's a very dangerous hunt. Like it's a dangerous hunt for a gun. Let alone yeah. I mean like, Oh yeah. I mean they kill more. I think the only other animal that kills more people in Africa is a hippo. So they are responsible for a lot of deaths in Africa every year. And people that do hunt them, hunt them with a rifle or they hunt them from a blind with a bow. And the first thing I told my PH, which luckily I'm very close with and friends with, I'm, I've hunted with him several times before, is I do not want to put this animal down with a rifle and I do not want to hunt it from a blind. And he had some other clients who were there hunting with him before I got there and he convinced them to do it from a blind. And he told them, you need to convince Sarah to do it from a blind because he's just as scared as I am. It's scary for everyone involved. I mean, it's oh, yeah. just as dangerous for him as it is for me or for you as the cameraman, if you were there, you know, we're putting everyone's lives at risk. So he, he was trying to convince me to do it out of a blind. And I made a deal with him that I would sit in a blind the first day to see what it was like, to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I did. And I was like, no, no, I'm not doing this. I go, we're getting on the ground, we're spot and stalking and we're doing it how I want to do it. And he's like, okay. And so, and, and I, I'm glad that he, you know, agreed to do that because he flat out told me there's not very many people I would do this with. He said, I'm doing it with you because I've hunted with you and I know you're a good shot. I know you're a responsible hunter. I know you trained for this. And that is the only reason he said, do not go telling people I will take them on a Cape Buffalo <laughs> hunt. I probably won't. I'm like, okay. Um, so since you weren't there to film, so how it works is there's two, there's me with my bow. Then there's two PHs who, which professional hunter, that's, that's what they call like the guides over in Africa, PHs. Um, they each have like a high powered caliber rifle with them because these buffalo charge you, you know, that's how they kill you is they trample you. So they both had, they were, they were both supposed to have guns, but because I needed someone to film, I had to ask one of the PHs to actually have a camera instead of a gun. He said, well, what we'll have to do is we'll have to bring one of the helpers, one of the skinners, one of the guys that usually stays back and skins the animals at camp. We'll have to bring him to carry the second gun for us. And what we'll do is when the buffalo charges us, he'll have to hand me the gun, you know, so I can see if we need to shoot this thing. So, 
So we get our plan together, we get ready to go after this buffalo, and they tell me, when this thing charges us, you cannot run from it. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I'm just supposed to stand there? And they're like, you, you're just not supposed to run. You just have to stand your ground and yell and make noise and try to look bigger than, than it is. Okay. And there's like no trees or anything to climb. So if this, there's, there's no way to escape this. There's some shrubs, some brush, what it can mow right through. <laughs> but there's no escaping this. So we get out there and start stalking it. And on the and we have our game plan of what's supposed to happen if this thing charges us. The PH is dropping the camera, getting the gun from this kid, this kid who's never even gone out on a hunt before. He's a Skinner, grabbing the gun. So if we have to shoot it, we have to shoot it. This it sounds thing like charges no one us. was happy about this. The poor kid was no, probably shit in his pants. The PH is holding a camera, not a gun. No yes. one's happy about this. <laughs> so. This buffalo charges us, so the mock charges us within like the first 20 minutes. This is what happens. The PH drops the camera, turns to the Skinner to grab the gun. The Skinner is running with the gun, with the gun in hand, the opposite direction. He trips and falls. He's laying fetal position, curled up like this with the gun on the ground, shaking. Oh my. And I look and I'm like, I go, I'm the fucking die out here. I'm going to die out here. <laughs> I'm like, this is not how this is supposed to happen. So they're like yelling at this kid. This poor kid had to have pissed his pants. I mean, he was so scared. They're like, you cannot drop the gun. When this thing charges us, you have to hand the gun to us. And they told me, they're like, this buffalo is going to keep doing this. Like that's, that's their nature. They will mock charge you, which means they're kind of bluffing. They're not going to come all the way to, but they'll come within like, they'll come running full speed to like 20 yards. And then it's up to you. We have to like get together in a group and wave and scream and yell to kind of get him to back off. So we just kept doing that. And we couldn't, we, what we get like 40 yards, I think was the closest we could get. And my pH said, you cannot shoot this thing under 20 yards. You, like because penetration issues for the arrow um so we have to get closer and we they're so big so we'd be stalking it and it looks like it's like right there and i'd be like okay we're at 20 yards right and he'd have the range finder he's like no we're at 40 we need to close 20 more yards i'm like you've oh got gosh. 20 more yards so that was the crazy thing is that looks are so deceiving they they're just huge animals and so the more we kept pushing this thing, the more pissed it was getting. And he told me, my PH, he's like, listen, this thing will only mark charge a couple times and then he's coming for us. So we need to get this done. I'm like, okay. So you can imagine having to like stay calm. Like I'm just telling myself, I, I have to stay calm because when I get to full draw on this thing, I cannot be shaking. My heart rate cannot be through the roof. And you have to worry about if it's going to come charging at you and try to kill you. You have to worry about if the Skinner is going to hand the gun to the PH. Like he's <laughs> to or if he's going to be <laughs> running in a fetal position. <laughs> There's just like a million things going through your head. But we finally got, to the, and the problem is, is he kept, he was a smart bull. He kept wanting to stand like straight on at us. He would never turn broadside. He'd always want to be straight on. So towards the end, 
we were talking about doing a frontal and we had actually identified there was like a little white spot on his chest and they wanted me to use that as the, like a marker. And they were saying, you probably are going to need to hit that in that area to get a heart shot or lungs, but we need to think about a frontal, which anyone who knows anything about Cape Buffalo hunting, that is insane to think you're going to do a frontal shot on a Cape Buffalo at 20 yards, no cover with a bow. I mean, it's just like, I don't even know what we were thinking, but that was, that was our plan. So we get up to it. We're at 25 yards and I'm like, dude, we're not going to get closer to this thing. It's going to charge us. We just need to get done. I have a frontal shot. So I start to pull back and then he like turns a little bit, like he's going to go more broadside. So I'm like, well, shit, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get a broadside shot. So I let down and then he goes all the way broadside. And I was like, oh my God. And so I, I drew back and I let, you know, arrow fly. It was a perfect shot. This thing luckily took off the opposite direction, did not come at us. And I was like, just, I can't explain the feeling, like the, um, like the dump of emotion, like the adrenaline dump, because everything was so intense. And when you let that air go, it's just like a sigh of relief. <laughs> I'm safe. I know for sure now that I'm probably not going to die. <laughs> it's just like a very it was a very bizarre feeling nothing that I've had when I shot at other animals um but mm. then he had to follow that up my celebration with well now it's really dangerous because now we have to track a wounded cape buffalo which is even more dangerous I'm like okay <laughs> so we decided to wait for like I don't even know how long like an hour and a half before we even started trying to look for this thing because the brush was so thick that the problem was if this thing was not dead and was in the brush somewhere and we couldn't see it and it decided to come after us like we were dead at least when it's like standing up or following it and or staying on it we know where it is well now that it's ran off with an arrow in it we don't know so we wanted to get plenty of time we ended up we ended up finding it dead so we did not have to deal with the wounded cape buffalo he had actually found a mud hole at some point rolled around in the mud hole which i don't know how much penetration my arrow got initially compared to if he's rolling around this mud hole if he pushed it in even more but it ended up getting double lung so it didn't break out the other side it couldn't get through the other rib but it did hit both lungs so that was exciting that was like our goal that if it wasn't going to be a heart shot, it had to be a double lung shot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't have to put it down with the rifle. I didn't die. I got it spot and stock with a bow and I got it on film. <laughs> so <laughs> so very uh, excited. There's only one way to top that, Sarah. Grizzly bear with a knife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I did bring up wanting to do the buffalo with a uh, recurve and my age wasn't going for it so <laughs> hell no are you kidding me oh <laughs> uh, he it was funny because i'm good friends with his wife and she joined us at camp like a couple of days later and she's like sarah he was just a ball of emotions the last three months he has been so on edge about this cape buffalo hunt he, he's a hot mess she's a hot fucking mess she's like i couldn't even handle it and i was like well it's over now and it's done and she's like thank god she said that he was just super nervous about it so he I mean he's just described it, and everyone that I know has described it. it doesn't matter how many times you you've done it I mean he's shot a ton of buffalo and guided a ton of buffalo hunts but it 
it doesn't get any less scary with those animals. It's not something you get used to. It's just a scary every time. So I highly recommend it for anyone looking for a good thrill. And increase your life insurance before you go on the hunt. Yeah. So Caleb was happy to have me back home. Um, he, my PH is now telling me he wants me to shoot a lion spot and stock with a bow. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but it that might be is crazy. Down the road, we'll see. That's crazy. Well, you'll have to let me know if that comes to fruition or not, because that would be something oh, very say- cool to look at from a mile away and watch. <laughs> You shoot a lion with a bow. <laughs> Are you going to get like one of those really good zoom lenses so you can film it from like that far away? <laughs> Hell yeah. In like my own safety of a cage or something. You know, I'll put a shark cage yeah. out there so nothing gets me. <laughs> well, I think you need to try to get Cape Buffalo. Are you going to go to Africa again? You had a good experience on your, well, after you got through the customs issues, you did, right? Yeah, it was a great experience. I had a, it was a blast hunting and the only danger we got into, I mean, there was lions. I, there was a night I was in my hut and our huts were like, there was no windows. Like, like they, if anybody, anything wanted to come in the window, they could, right? It was just like this little meshy yeah. wire. And there was a lion that was roaring like a hundred yards outside my hut at night. Talk about yeah. puckering, puckering your butt, man. Holy cow. Yeah. That was scary. Uh, we almost That's got charged by an elephant. That was, that was, that was <laughs> close to danger we got there, but I loved it. It was awesome. It was a super hard hunt, but which you know I like. Very challenging. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I'd definitely go back again. And that is kind of on my next bucket list would be a Cape Buffalo with a bow. Uh, just yeah. so I can follow in your footsteps a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, do they have out where you were um, on the, the free range? Do they have um, buffalo out at that same place that you were at? Oh, yeah. We saw a herd of like 40 of them. Okay. There. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely definitely a good amount of buffalo there i don't nice. you know i don't know if that if there's a bull as big as the one that you shot but because i don't think they get quite as big in that region but but anyway to shoot a cape buffalo with a bow that's that's yeah, an ultimate yeah. ultimate hunt right there yeah it's fun i think yeah. you should do it <laughs> so, all right so uh kind of to cap up this podcast what do you got um planned for this season I'm hoping to try to do a cat hunt, which that would have to happen the next month or so if that was going to happen. If not, I think December. Um, that's always been on my bucket list to shoot a cougar with my bow. I really would like to do that. Um, I'm going to do my over-the-counter hunts here in Washington. Obviously, elk is always my top priority. Uh, I've thought about going back to Colorado just because I enjoyed the pain a little bit too much. like to get my ass kicked. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> Come on back. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought I'd do another Colorado hunt. Um, Caleb's going to Africa in July. I haven't decided if I'm going to go on that trip with him yet or not. It's kind of up in the air. It gets hard when you're juggling kids and business. And usually on these hunts, there's only one of us going at a time. Um, I don't, I think I've maybe only ever hunted with him a couple times, <laughs> believe it or not, my husband. Other than that, I'm usually on my own. Um, I kind of want to do Scotland. I want to take it like you and I have talked about that. So I've shot a red stag in Scotland two years ago. I want to take him for him to get one. And I just want to go along and spend some time sightseeing because Scotland is freaking awesome. Yeah. We were talking about that too. I was going to bring Allie, my wife, and you guys can hang and me and Caleb go hunt. That would be, that's definitely on my bucket list. That looks bad. Yeah. 
So I've reached out to my, the um, outfitter I went with last time. I'm waiting to hear back from him, but I, I have reached out and I, I definitely want to do that hunt. So I'll keep you posted. Um, yeah. I'm also probably um, going to start working with a company in Australia that makes broadheads broadheads and arrows and so I've been talking with them actually for almost a year and they're going to send me some um, an arrow build and I'm going to hunt with it and see if I like their products and they've invited me to go to Australia and come hunt now I don't think Australia is open right now so that would be the only barrier on doing that but as soon as I open back up um yeah Australia would be sorry that'd be super cool too I just love hunting. Yeah. I want to go everywhere and hunt. If there's something yeah. to hunt, like if someone, someone asked me, Hey, do you want to go on vacation here? I'm like, what am I hunting? <laughs> that's that's right. all I say. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I, sometimes stuff just comes up that I will, you know, will take advantage of, but you know, if someone invites me out to go do something, I think there might be a, a moose hunt that we're getting Caleb on for um, an organization that does purple heart hunts for veterans that have received purple hearts, which he has. So that's, that's in Alaska. So oh, I might join cool. him. Yeah. 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 So I've been wanting to get to Alaska. That's definitely on a top oh, really list of wanting to get there. Yeah. Yeah. You and I need to, you and I need to find um, a bush pilot and then make it happen. That's the most, that's the biggest hurdle for the so Alaska. So if you're listening out there and you're a bush pilot, message me or Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> we need a bush pilot. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully you and I can maybe do a couple other hunts together, whether it's Scotland or Alaska or wherever. We'll stay in touch and figure it out. Yeah, you that have would a be baby. Great. Oh, how I much have a time little hunter. You know, <laughs> you know, my philosophy on this is like, it's like depositing in a bank, right? So for the next three months, all I'm going to be doing is deposit into the wife bank for three months yeah. <laughs> because I want to go <laughs> off and go hunt and I can't, you can't ask for something unless you've given, right? So That's give, right. give, give, give for the next three months. And hopefully I can, I can slip out of here and go on some cool hunts this year too. Well, we are two lucky people because we have very supportive partners. You have an awesome wife. It's yes. very supportive. Props to Allie. She is an amazing woman. And then my husband who put not only puts up with me and my sass, but lets me go on my hunts too. So we're yeah, not very only, I mean, props to Caleb too. Like we don't know each other very well. I met him once when we were in Idaho and he, and he's like, yeah, sure. Go backpacking with Kurt out seven <laughs> miles deep in the, in the mountains. You know, like, like that's pretty badass too, to have a supportive yeah. husband like that too. So yes, yeah. we do have good significant others. And I have a little bit of a, a benefit where Allie is not a hunter. So we're not competing against hunting seasons like you and Caleb do. <laughs> that, is, that is true. During hunting seasons, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith around here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. but it's okay. So yeah, well, I thank you for having me on. I'm excited that you're starting a podcast again. I know you did it before and you seem like you love doing it. So it is a lot of fun. I do like doing it. I like talking to people and it's a great way to meet people on the podcast. And uh, thanks for being on. Like this was a fun podcast. I enjoyed hearing more about the Cape Buffalo hunt and everything you got going on. So I'm sure yeah. we'll probably, I'll probably bring you back on after this season. I have to do some other crazy dumbass shit that you usually do. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. 
skeptical if Sarah and Kurt are going to make it through hunting season because they're out doing stupid stuff. You might fall off a cliff in Colorado. I mean, that <laughs> happened. Who knows? <laughs> All right, Sarah. Thanks for being on. This is the Western yeah. Obsessions TV podcast. Thank you guys for listening. This is the Western Obsessions TV podcast, where hunting's not a hobby, it's an obsession.